You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Inflow with Soul. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and I'm grateful that you are here with me today. Um, let me just take a moment to acknowledge what a year it was in 2021 for Inflow with Soul. This was one of those inspirations that I had in the fall of 2020 and, and had no idea really what, um, what this creation would evolve into. Uh, I just knew that I wanted to share stories that were inspiring and informative because we all need those experiences to keep us, um, on track to to help us evaluate where am I relative relative to where I want to be, where I could be, um, and to hear stories from other people about how they've achieved their goals. And I am so grateful to all of the guests who have shared their stories with us. Um, and I'm grateful to you for your uh, committed listenership uh, for this program. Um, I'm really proud of uh, the growth that we've experienced over the past year, and I'm looking forward to that continuing. So I have some new ideas, new plans for 2022 for this podcast. And a lot of this, again, has come out of me pulling back again and, and really asking myself who I want to be and where are my gifts and my talents. And um, in that process, I go back and I look at where where have I been, who have I been before, and, and who do I want to become next? And in that process, one of the things that really came out uh, to me loud and clear is that leadership coaching is really my sweet spot. And I, I look back at all of the, the, the leadership teams that I've worked with, the entrepreneurs that I've worked with, the solopreneurs that I've worked with. And although we do our work within the context of the technical um, tasks or responsibilities of the business or the team, it always comes back to, in my opinion, to leadership. Um, because I think to me, leadership again is that, that core, is that soul, that culture of the organization, whether that's an organization of one or that's an organization of a hundred or more. It, leadership comes back to that culture, to that core, to that soul. Who are we? And in, in the case of a solopreneur, who am I? 
And I think this is where I shine best. I help people figure out who they are so that they can align themselves with their higher self and in doing so, get clarity on who they want to become. And once there's clarity on who you want to become, the tasks uh, seem to just figure themselves out. Um, th- there's no more forcing yourself to, to do work that you didn't want to do because now you're in alignment. And so that's my focus for 2022 is really focusing on helping uh, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, um, and team leaders with this whole concept of how do we create that culture, that environment in which the work can happen as effectively and efficiently as possible. So that's where I want to go with this. I hope you're going to stay along with me for the ride um, because I'm really excited about the the topics uh, that we will discuss. But that being said, I also want to extend an invitation to you as the listener to engage with me. Give me feedback. Email me at mary at mmgcoaching.com. Your questions, your your um concerns, your pushback, your disagreements, any and all of that, um, I would love to hear from you. Um, and also, of course, you can leave um, comments if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave those comments in the uh, comment box or um, on the platform that you're listening. I will get those comments. So once again, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be leaning into my areas of expertise regarding leadership, and I'm excited to be sharing this with you. So let's begin. So let's take this context and and let's just dive in with the big question of what is leadership? You know, that's one of the things that I've really um, been surprised about, I guess, as I became a um, researcher in leadership looking at the fact that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of agreement sometimes on what leadership is. And I think that if we don't understand or or have some common understanding about what leadership is and, and the responsibilities of leadership, then we don't really know, we don't have clarity on what it means to be a leader. And so how do I evaluate myself relative to what the definition is and relative to the responsibilities? So that's what I want to do in this first podcast today with you is to talk about what is leadership, um, talk about what are the responsibilities of a leader, and why leadership is important. Um, You know, spoiler alert, I think it's important. (laughs) So stay tuned, and I'm going to make a case for that. So to begin with, let's start talking about what is leadership. Now, Before we dive into what it is, I want to take a a moment to say what it is not. And I think this is really important um, to set this expectation or this context as we move forward. So first of all, leadership is not a title. It is not a role. It is not a position in the organization. Um, You could even have the word leader or leadership in your title, and you may still not be a leader. So... um, a leader also is not a manager or it's not a boss. In, in my world, when the way that I'm defining this, a manager is really responsible or, or interested in tasks. So they, they are clear about what the goal is. They're clear about the path that the, either they or the team need to take to get to that goal. And then they're just driving in on the doing. 
and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, as we go along here today, that I think that really reflects this concept that leadership is a do-to process. And so maybe you've even worked with these leaders that feel like their responsibility is to do something to you, to make you do something uh, to contribute towards the, the common goal, if there is a common goal. And I think that leadership, effective leadership, is really a do-with process. And I'm going to describe that and explain that um, as we go in this conversation today. But I wanted just to lay out on the front end that leadership is not about titles or position, and it is not about being a manager or a boss. Those are two very different um, entities. They're, those are very different. Those are different things. Um, so let's take those off the table so that now we have a clear space to really talk about what is leadership. So the first thing that I did uh, was Google what is leadership to see what would come up and um, got a lot of quotes from people's names that you're going to recognize and it, reflecting what their definition of leadership is. So let's dig into that and let's just see where we're starting this conversation. So first of all, you, if you've done any kind of research or reading on leadership, you may be familiar with the name of Peter Drucker. He's kind of a big name in, he's kind of a big deal in leadership. And his definition of leadership is that the only definition of a leader is someone who has followers. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this, Mr. Drucker, because I think that just because you have followers doesn't make you a leader. For instance, I could have someone who is uh, accountable to me, right? I can have team members. Or if I'm in the military, for instance, I may have a unit of people that are responsible to comply with what I dictate or direct. Now, that, although they are in a role of a follower, doesn't make them a follower of me as a leader. That just means that they're compelled to do what I ask them to do if they want to keep their job. So I don't think that just just having followers is enough of a definition about what leadership is. So let's look at another example. Warren Bennis, uh, another uh, big name in leadership, says that leadership is the capacity to translate a vision into a reality. And I think we're getting warmer here, although too, I think this is a kind of oversimplifying. So when we're looking at the capacity to translate a vision into reality, that manager who is all about doing to other people, um, all about, you know, focusing on the task and the task get done and the time they were supposed to get done and the way that they were supposed to get done, that's a manager. So a manager could say, oh yeah, I'm, um, I'm happy to translate this vision into reality for my team. But Again, I, I don't think that dictating or, or that kind of micromanagement is necessarily leadership. Another example is Bill Gates. He says that we look ahead, as we look ahead to the next century, leaders are going to be those who empower others. Now, I definitely think we're getting a lot warmer with this definition because now we're talking about that doing with process. We're talking about empowering others to do their work at, a, at the highest level possible, contributing to a collective goal and, and um, um, outcome. 
Now, I'm reading a whole lot into that, right? You've already heard me say things like collective goals and, and outcomes, and that's not what Bill Gates is talking about. So I think that what I want to take from his definition is that it is about empowering others, because I think, again, that goes back to we're talking about doing things with, not doing things to. Um, but I think it also leaves out a little bit. So let's continue. One more example that I have is from John Maxwell. Again, a name that I'm sure you're familiar with in this world of leadership. And John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm, yes, I think it is leadership, but I do think there's more to it. So the whole nothing more, nothing less part, I'd, I'd leave off. Leadership is influence, but I think it's more than that. So here we've had really four um, definitions from kind of the big names, uh, some of the big names in leadership. And each one of those definitions, I think, kind of misses the mark a little bit. And I'm not dissecting these definitions to... Um, find fault with this, but because again, what I want to do is create a definition of leadership that I can use to help evaluate how am I doing? Um, because if I use leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less, and I go out and I use that as my standard for evaluating how am I being as a leader, all I'm really looking at is, is how am I influencing people? And I think that leaves out a lot of the role of an effective leader. So I, I took a stab at creating my own definition of leadership, and my first effort was I came up with the statement that leadership is the act of organizing and aligning resources, both human and capital, in order to achieve a collective outcome. So I want to break this down a little bit. First of all, leadership is an action. Again, this is not a position or a title. Number two it's organizing and aligning both human and capital resources. And for this, I really like to think about the um, orchestra conductor kind of as a metaphor for what we're talking about here. Um, think about the orchestra conductor is organizing and aligning the resources of the musicians um, and all of the resources those musicians need to do their work towards a collective outcome. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But what that conductor does, he's not creating the music himself or herself. What that conductor is doing is organizing and aligning these resources so that the musicians are able to perform at their highest level. And then again, coming to that last bit of my definition about to achieve a collective outcome. You know, if those musicians in this metaphor that we're using of a, a, a conductor, if those musicians simply wanted to go out and create their own music or, or write the, and, and perform their own song, if they sat together and did that, it, it would just be noise. Now, they could go off and, and do that uh, on their own, but in that case, they would only need personal leadership. They don't need an external leader. So this collective goal or outcome, I think, is, is really the glue that holds all of the work together. Because if we don't have that, what are we all working towards? What are we working for? The, well, again, whether you're single, a uh, solopreneur, or you're leading a team, that team, you need to have a clear vision about what you are trying to achieve so that you know, um, what to say yes to, what to say no to. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, about that in a little bit as well. But let's just come back once again to this first attempt I had at creating this definition. Leadership 
is the act, it's an action, of organizing and aligning resources, both human and capital, to achieve a collective outcome. Now, although I think that this definition is technically on point, I still think it's possible for someone who is really acting as a manager to look at this definition and say, oh yeah, I do that. And again, I really want, I'm going to continue to drive home this point that leadership is not a do-to, it is a do-with process. So what could I do to this definition so that it would kind of weed out those individuals who really want to just do to people? So I want to take those critical elements, though, and into this definition. So first of all, the critical element of it's an action. It's not a title. um, It's not a role. Leadership is an action. It's also about organizing and aligning resources, and it's about that collective um, focus or that collective outcome that we're working towards. So in my second attempt to uh, create a definition for leadership, I came up with this. Leadership is the art of creating the conditions for inevitable success. I'm going to read that again. Leadership is the art of creating the conditions for inevitable success. So just like I did with the others, let's break this down a little bit. Leadership is the art. Now, this presupposes that the act of leadership, again, is um, a combination of technical knowledge and skills with the ability to create with the resources that you have available. This means that in the case of leadership, you know the right actions to take in the right time. It's an art of action. The second bit I have here is that it's creating the conditions. Um, One of my favorite uh, books is called The Biology of Belief, and and that really goes into the whole um, background about wellness. And and at some point, we're going to talk about that as well. But for today, I want to bring the point that he makes. He's a cell biology researcher, if I'm saying that correctly. And what he found in his research is that you can put um, samples, cells into a Petri dish and changing the conditions changes how those cells respond. It's the epigenetics. It's the basis for epigenetics. So what that means is that our cells respond to the environment and turn on and off DNA according to the environment that we're in. So I like to take that now to leadership and say that we are responsible for creating that environment that ourselves, in this case, our team members, um, are going to operate in. So that our responsibility is to make sure that that, con- that environment is as conducive as possible to what comes next, inevitable success. Now, I love the word inevitable in here, and I could take it out, but I think it lacks something if we just say to success. The importance to me of the word inevitable is that there we know and understand, leaders know and understand that we may not be successful the first time, first five times, first 10 times, first 100 times, but we believe 
and the inevitable success of our mission, of our vision. And so what that means is that we are, again, going back to aligning those, those resources, we will make those adjustments for the team so that they have what they need based on what uh, we were able to accomplish in the past, whether it was moving us towards our goals, we're going to do more of that. If it's moving us away from our goals, let's find some solutions to work around those, those obstacles or those barriers. So again, let me recap this part. I think that this definition of, of leadership works for me to help me understand or evaluate how am I showing up as a leader. So what I would challenge you to ask yourself is, does this definition of leadership resonate with you? Is this the kind of leader that you want to be? No judgment if this doesn't align with you or resonate with you or this doesn't really describe the kind of leader that you want to be. That is totally fine. But this is the definition that I, that I think helps me the most and, and will help my clients the most understand where they are uh, relative to this definition so that they can see where they where their strengths are and where they want to grow. So let's talk a minute now, why is leadership important? I know, I already spoiled the surprise. Yes, it is important. But why is it important? Have you ever really considered like what happens in the absence of leadership? I'm guessing you probably have, because I'm also guessing that you've probably worked for some leaders that are definitely do to people rather than do with people. So for just take a moment. Let's take a moment right now and just think about those times when you perceived a weakness in leadership um, and what were the outcomes of those leadership gaps. Now, when I asked myself these questions, um, here's some of the things that I came up with. One, team members without leadership, team members are going to either work independently on their own or they're going to work in clicks. And um, then that means that their work is either going to be redundant or could even be contradictory. Because if I got a group of people working over here and I've got a group of people working over here and their work is actually um, canceling one another out, we're not making any progress. And if I have a team of, of individuals who are just doing their own thing, we're not making progress towards that collective goal or outcome. So what that means is that if by chance, our team happens to meet their goals, that process is not replicatable because we don't quite know how we got there. Um, and that means that the next time that we either want to achieve that goal again or we want to up the ante and achieve more, we are starting all over again. We have to figure it all out, which is, as you can imagine, very ineffective and I'm going to even say painful. But Again, as you might imagine, most of the time when teams are lacking the leadership that they need to create that condition for inevitable success, th there's just going to be repeated attempts, repeated failures. And when those kinds of uh, situations, when people on a team, whether it's you as the leader or your team members, start to feel this kind of of not even failure. It could be failure, but it just could be like, I'm not making progress. We're not growing anywhere. We're doing the same thing day after day, week after week, year after year. We're singing the same song and dance. Nothing's changing. Our outcomes aren't changing. What's going to happen is, and you've probably recognized this in yourself, 
What happens in those situations is that people withdraw. They disengage. Gallup has done a lot of research on employee disengagement. And the last time, if I remember correctly, it was up around 75% of all employees are disengaged from their work. This is a leadership crisis in my mind. And again, it's a leadership crisis when, because we don't have a, this common definition that we can say, here's the kind of leader that I want to be that I can evaluate myself, my actions um, against so that I can make adjustments as necessary. So again, leadership is important so that everyone is working together um, toward that common goal. They're, uh, they're being as efficient as possible. Um, and what, what I wasn't able to say, kind of like in the absence, in the presence of leadership, and when those um, team members are collaborating and building on one another, there's this compounding effect of not just efficiency, but a compounding effect of what they're able to create and what they're able to do. Because now they're no longer competing with one another. They're working with one another. And and somebody over here has this gift and they say, oh, I can add that to this person who has this gift. And now we've created this wonderful thing together that we couldn't have created ourselves. Once again, a lot like the musicians in the orchestra. We can build off of one another and, and create that more richer, um, more vibrant and exciting culture th- for this work to happen. So we have a definition uh, for leadership. And again, leadership is the art of creating the conditions for inevitable success. And we've talked a little bit about why leadership is important. Um, to create these conditions of success so that team members can compound their gifts and talents in order to achieve an even more impressive outcome than they can do individually. So what then are the responsibilities of a leader? Now, for this, I go back to some of the research that I was doing when I was working on my dissertation. Um, and the researcher, researchers Leithwood et al. in 2004 identified three responsibilities of a leader. And the first one, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase these. Uh, the first one is to set the vision. The second responsibility of a leader is to develop people. And the third responsibility of a leader is to make the systems work. So what I'd like to do is kind of dig into each one of these responsibilities a little bit so that we have some common uh, language and expectations about what each one of these mean. Before we even go into that, I would like to take one step back, though, and and just address one of those myths about leadership. Um, This was a myth that I fell into. And so it's very personal for me. and, And I really want to make sure that this is not something that you fall into as well. Um, when I moved into leadership roles, and, and if you've heard my stories, um, my episode, uh, Another Route Around the Sun, I talk about this a little bit in my first experience as a leader. Uh, I thought somehow I shifted from the work that I was doing with students, which was all about working with them. When I got into a leadership role, I became a do-to leader, manager. Let's be clear. I was a manager. Um, that's not how I saw myself, right? I, I defined myself as a leader, but I was really acting as a manager. And the myth that I fell into is that the leader has to have all the answers. And when you are in that position where you believe that you have to have all the answers, what that means is that your priority 
is to look better than everyone else on your team, to look smarter than everyone else on your team, to come up with the answers quicker than anyone else on your team. These are all things that I was guilty of doing. That is not leadership. Honestly, that's not even management. That's just uh, defensive behaviors. And and again, that's something we'll, we'll talk more about as we go along here. But for today, I really want you to take away and to hear that leadership isn't about your technical knowledge and skills. Um, in fact, I have a, a very good friend of mine who just this summer started managing a hair salon. She's not a hairstylist. She's never worked in this industry, um, but she's a leader. And so what that means is she's been able to step into this role, work with the, the owner and the stylist on the team to help to create those conditions for inevitable success on her team. So once again, leadership is not about um, having the technical knowledge and skills. It's useful. And I have another story that that can illustrate that. So just recently, I was speaking with um, another leader who was describing her leadership skills and her strengths. And one of the things that she kept repeating to me over and over again was that one of her skills was that she was able to see solutions very quickly and that she had, quote, very definite ideas, unquote, about how those solutions should be implemented. So I heard her say this several times before I asked her if she was the kind of leader that she would want to follow. She took a moment, she paused, she reflected. She says, well, I really can be something of a micromanager. And um, she said, I, I, I like to work independently myself, and so I wouldn't want someone else micromanaging me. I said, okay. The next question then is, how can you use your technical knowledge and skills as an asset in leadership rather than as a detriment in creating a a micromanagement kind of situation? She thought about that again for a while. She got a little stuck with that. And eventually she came up with, she goes, well, my technical knowledge and skills gives me that that big picture um, vision and the small picture, like how to, how to, everything from the why to the what to the how. And she says, I, I think that the way that I could use this technical knowledge or skills that I have is to ask the right questions of my team so that they can start to see things a little bit more the way I do. And she said, I guess maybe I would just be asking them leading questions. And I said, well, in some cases, leading questions are not all bad, but it also um, doesn't mean that that's all you have to ask. Because if again, if you're asking leading questions, what you're trying to do is to get your team members to come to the same conclusions you have. But if you have that whole, that knowledge of the, the, the context, the big picture, the little picture, the why, the what, and the how, and you're able to ask questions of your team members, how do you see this? How do you see the why? How do you see the what? How do you see the, the um, how? Now what you're going to do is you still have your own knowledge and skills. You're going to be able to ask them, pull from them, what do they have? And now that whole compounding effect, now you can build on that. You know where they're starting from. You can build on it. And what you might be surprised, in fact, nine time, I would say nine times out of 10, you're going to be surprised that what they come up with, with your these the leader asking the right questions is a solution that is even beyond what that leader herself could have come up with. It's that compounding effect. 
So again, let's remember that leadership, the myth, you do not have to have all the answers. I would say you have to have all the right questions. I like that. Let's move that as as kind of our, our new version of that myth. It's not about having the answers. The effective leader will have the right questions. Now, we've established, again, the responsibility of the leaders as defined by the researchers Leithwood et al. Um, have said that the responsibilities include setting a vision, developing people, and making the system work. So let's dig into each one of those a little bit. So setting a vision. Uh, this might seem obvious, but you might be surprised too. And if you look around maybe at what you've done in the past or what other leaders that you've worked with in the past have done regarding setting the vision, you might see that this does tend to get overlooked because we, we want to jump into the work um, and kind of figure out where we're going as we go along. And in, and what we're saying here is that the responsibility of the leader is to ensure that there is a vision. This doesn't mean that the leader, again, this is not a do-to process. So it does, it's not that the leader has to say, here's the vision that everyone is, is going to work on. And yet, ultimately, that's, that's where the leader will get. So, um, but preferably what the, hopefully what the leader has done is worked with their team to get input as to what the vision of this team or this organization is. And with that input, then say, here is the vision that we're going because we need someone to say, this is the destination that we are headed to. Now, maybe we're going to take some detours along the way. Maybe at some point along the way, we decide that that's really not where we wanted to go. We wanted to go over here. That's fine. But the team needs to know where they're going. And it's the responsibility of the leader to make sure that, that there's clarity about where we're going. Why are we going there? Um, if you haven't read the book, um, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, I highly recommend it, especially for this particular responsibility. Um, that that um, vision should be compelling enough that it encourages and motivates and drives the leader and the team members to achieve that vision. It's it's the energy behind every, all the actions that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, setting the vision, though, is not a one-and-done kind of experience. Uh, maybe you've been on teams or organizations where maybe there was a big to-do about creating the vision or the mission, and once that is done and you, you argue and debate over, you know, little words and what they mean, you finally get to a statement that you're all happy to live with, more or less, and then it, it gets put up on a wall or gets put in a, uh, in a binder somewhere or now we're, we're more electronically organized. It, it gets put away. Um, so some leaders, what I've seen is, you know, they, they put their vision on their email signature or they have it as, at the head of their um, agendas for team meetings. And those are all good ways to keep that vision in front of your people, but it's not really enough. Now, you have to, as a leader, have to use this vision to, um, to motivate your team, to remind them this is where we're going. This is why it's important uh, that we achieve this. Um, this is what we want to do in order to achieve this. This is where we are now relative to where we want to be. And when we have that vision as our 
our, our guiding star, our North Star, uh, then we can evaluate things that come along to us. Um, so is this opportunity? Is this something that I could, should say yes to? Is it going to be closer to where I want to go? Or is it going to hold me back or distract me? Um, in which case, I'm going to say no to. So having that clear and compelling vision is necessary at the beginning, at the middle, and then at the end to, again, to remind everyone, including the leader, of where have we been, what have we accomplished, and how magnificent is this? So first responsibility of the leader is to set the vision. The second responsibility of the leader then is to develop people. Look at this. It's developing people. There's nothing technical in this responsibility. It's about developing people. Because as a leader, most of the time, you're not there doing the work. Your role is to, again, create the conditions. The team member's uh, role is to do the work. So as your responsibility of creating those conditions... Your responsibility as a leader is to make sure that everyone on your team has the resources, the skills, the time, whatever it is that they need in order to do their work successfully. So what does it take to do this? Well, A, you got to know what your vision is and, and what skill sets are necessary. Like, what are you going to do to achieve that goal? Um, looking and then at your individual team members relative to what they need, do they have those knowledge sets? Um, do they have what they need? Or, or do you need to help them grow in some way? And hopefully your mental answer to that question is yes, because we always have an opportunity to grow. And the more your team members grow, the more effectively and efficiently they're going to meet their your, your current goals. And you're going to be able to up those goals because as your team evolves and grows and develops, they're going to be capable of more, correct? So again, we've set the vision. Now we're developing our people. And the last piece is to make the system work. Now, this might mean that you get in and do the work with them, but I think really what um, what making the system work means is that you have you have one foot outside of the team or the organization where you are always on the lookout for resources. You're always on the lookout for what are what's the competition doing. Um, what is it that we can can is that any of that that we can bring into our organization? Does that fit our needs? You're, you're out there looking to see what, uh, what else is happening? What else, what are the resources that we might want to bring into our organization? And then you have the other eye on your team members and where are they now? What do they need in order to do the work that, that, has been set out for them. Do they need uh, technology skills? Do they need time? Do they need people? What is it they that the team needs in order to achieve the goal that you've that you all have set for yourselves? Um, because again, if you're that person, think about as that team member, your focus is on doing your role, your task. You're not out there looking at what are, what other people are doing. That is the role of the leader. That is the responsibility of the leader. So again, what we've said here is that leadership is that art of creating the conditions for inevitable success, and the responsibilities of the leader include setting a vision, keeping it alive, developing people, and making those systems work. I would love to hear your feedback, your input on this definition and these responsibilities, how I've described them. 
I would, I'm really interested to hear how do they align with what you already know and practice and do and, and how is it out of alignment? Um, push back on me. Give me um, some contrast. And together, we'll, we'll see where, uh, where we can both grow. So share with me your feedback on what we've covered so far in terms of the definition of leadership and the responsibilities. But before we leave this conversation today, I want to take some time to talk about personal leadership. That's not a term that um, that I've really heard. I, I, I kind of feel like I've made it up, although I'm sure other people are using it. But what I'm what I mean by that is that really before you can lead others, you can become that leader that we've just talked about, you really have to be able to lead yourself. So is it possible for us to take these definitions of leadership and these responsibilities and apply them to an individual? And I think we can. And this is what I'd like to do with you before we close today. When I begin to think about where does personal leadership start, yes, we're going to get to those definitions and responsibilities, but it really starts with that emotional intelligence. And you're probably aware that the first um, skill that uh, we develop as we're developing emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And what self-awareness means is that we become aware of our own emotional responses to the world that we're living in. We know what our triggers are. We know how we tend to respond to um, it under certain conditions. We get to know ourselves, those beliefs that we have, uh, those unconscious beliefs, those unconscious programs, meaning, you know, if, if this is what I believe, um, this is what I'm willing to do, this is what I'm not willing to do. And those are mostly unconscious. So what we need to do is, is to take some time and really listen to ourselves to uncover what are these core beliefs that we're operating from and, and these programs that says, you know, when this happens, here's how I show up or here's how I respond. The second um, skill set uh, developing in emotional intelligence then is self-management. So once we know what those emotional responses are, our favorites and our, our, our habits, then self-management says, okay, I know this is, is how I typically respond. Here's how I want to respond to this in the future. And we set up those processes and those habits to, to become the person that we really want to become. And you've, you've heard me say this so many times about, um, becoming. Uh, I, I said it at the, at the top of this about me and who I wanted to become. So leadership begins with personal leadership. Um, and it begins with self-awareness and it begins with self-management. And those are, those two skill sets are not lightweights. Those are heavyweights. And to really dig into, especially the unconscious, uh, beliefs and, and programs that we're operating from, most of us benefit from having a guide to help us do that because by design, our beliefs, our programs uh, are, are unconscious so that we just operate from them uh, automatically so we can function in a day. I mean, if we had to consciously think about everything that our body is doing and what we're doing during the day, we'd never do anything else. So our unconscious systems um, just keep us moving forward. And, and until we bring our conscious awareness to them, we just operate on default. So becoming that personal uh, becoming an expert and leading yourself begins with self-awareness and self-management. 
So let's then take that again to this definition of leaders creating the conditions for inevitable success. I, I think that this applies to yourself as well. So leadership is taking that action. Um, it's it, That suggests that you're not just sitting by and, and going with your default uh, programs and systems. You are taking action to look at and develop your self-awareness, develop your self-management, creating the conditions. As you get to know who you are and where your strengths are, where your challenges are, you're able then to say, here are the conditions that I need in order to be able to do my work. Here's the conditions I need to be successful. And then you take that responsibility to set that up for yourself. That could be taking responsibility for setting your priorities, for setting your time blocks, for managing your your diet and your sleep and your energy. All of those things uh, fall into taking responsibility for those conditions. And then the inevitable success. Again, that, that word inevitable, I think, is key here. It's about belief. Do you believe that you can achieve this outcome or this goal that you've set for yourself? And if you're not feeling absolutely inspired and compelled and ready to go, then that suggests to me that something is holding you back in terms of belief. They, that um, looking back again more into that self-awareness, what else is here that's keeping me from believing that I'm going to be inevitably successful with this? And again, let me remind you that when we're talking about inevitably successful, that means there's going to be missteps along the way. There's going to be things that don't work out the way that we thought they could or the way we wanted them to. But when we are leading ourselves, creating those conditions, we are flexible enough to adjust accordingly. And just as I have done recently, say, this is not who I want to be anymore. This is who I want to be. And I'm going to be able to say no to one thing so that I can lean into who I really am. And this is what I want for you as well. So before we go, let's just look once again at those three responsibilities of leaders and see how that shows up as personal uh, leadership. So the first responsibility, setting a vision. You have to know who you are, who you want to become, and somewhere in the middle. Um, it doesn't have to be, oh my gosh, I have to decide my purpose, uh, and this is who I'm going to be forever. But it's who, who do I want to become next? Maybe that's the best way to look at it. Who do I want to become next? And then you become that person. And then from that space, you say, who do I want to become next? Setting that vision for yourself so that you know, and again, you can evaluate, A, how you're doing, but B, you can evaluate those resources that are, are going to be available to you. Um, is this something I want to say yes to, or is this something I want to say no to? Because again, many of us just, when we're not clear on, on this who we want to become, we just want to take everything and, and try it all on, and, and that's great. It's experimental. It's going to give you information. But if you're not clear on who you want to, who you want to be, you're going to start to feel like you're just spinning your wheels or you feel like you're stuck in a rut. So if you feel like you're stuck in a rut, one of the first things I would suggest is get clear on who you want to become next. Leaves the door open for who you want to become after that. The second responsibility is developing people. And in this case, you're developing yourself. This is doing that work of uh, examining and, and becoming proficient at self-awareness so that you almost get to watch yourself as you 
are experiencing your life. Uh, you're observing how you are being triggered or what, what wells you up with joy and pride and what brings you down with frustration or aggravation. You are aware of that. And with the self-management bit, you then become more proficient about being able to manage that part of yourself so that if you tend to fly off the handle, if something doesn't go your way with self-management and self-awareness, you can say, okay, well, when things don't go my way, here's, here's how I'm going to respond. And it takes some practice, of course. That's, again, that's the work. That's the development of yourself uh, for this responsibility of leadership. And then finally, making those systems work. And I'm going to come back again to the environment that we talked about a minute ago. The Making the systems work for yourself means that you have set up your, your life, your, your daily routines and habits in such a way that align with your vision of who you are becoming next. Um, and you set that as a priority and, and you don't let other people distract you from that or pull you away from that. You commit to your own needs. And as women, especially, we have a hard time committing to our own needs because we're so conditioned to meet the needs of other people. So in this case, that third responsibility is of making the systems work means making that environment work for you, how you structure your day, how you set your priorities, when you you accept phone calls or meetings with other people and when you don't, you have control over all of this. And um, the more you exercise that control, the the more you're going to develop, the more you're going to move and become that person uh, that you have set in your vision. So we've covered a lot of territory today, and um, I appreciate your um, your interest in staying with me for this conversation. As we leave and as we wrap up, I really want to just once again invite you to share your feedback, your input on this. Um, Whether you agree with me or disagree with me or somewhere in between, it's all good. Um, I appreciate contrast. I appreciate validation um, as much as the next person. So let me know how this is landing with you. Let me know what questions you have. What part of this conversation today did I sound like maybe I was contradicting myself? Um, give me an opportunity to provide some clarity on that. The way that you can um, share this feedback with me is email me at mary at mmgcoaching.com. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a, a comment in the comment sections or, or um, you know, leave me comments anywhere that you can on, on social media. Uh, we, we post these podcasts whenever we publish them. So wherever is the easiest and most convenient place for you to share this feedback with me, please do so. Additionally, if you are curious or you're interested in about learning more about leadership coaching, whether this is personal leadership of becoming the person that you want to become next and or becoming the leader that others want to follow, becoming the leader that you would want to follow, then contact me again, mary at mmgcoaching.com, and we'll have a complimentary call. And in that call, I will help you gain clarity on um, you know who it is that you want to become next. And with that information, then you can decide what resources you need to help you get there. So I am here to serve, to help you grow, to become the person, um, leader, mother, father, daughter, whatever it is that you want to become next. 
um, because I believe that the more that we all become um, more aligned with our gifts and our talents and who we really are here to be, the happier that all of our families, our communities, and our world would be. So join me with this. I look forward to hearing from you and um, I look forward to seeing you again next time. Take care. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.